may call me whatever you want, okay? It doesn't matter to me. I'm very honored to be among you uh, this morning, very pleased to be before you. But before I get started, there's some very special people to me that are here, and uh, the doodahs are here. Would you stand, please, for just a second? You want to get a chance to get to know this dear couple. Uh, I want you to take one of their beautiful pictures of their family home with you. Put that somewhere where you can pray for them as they prepare to go in the mission field. Uh, Daniel and Meg have been used of God to touch so many hearts and lives in our association. So we want nothing but the best for you all. So get to know them before you leave this morning, okay? And maybe get on their email mailing list. But pray for them. Let them know that you'll be praying for them as they prepare to leave their comfort zone and go overseas to share the word of God. So we thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And they have some of these. And they have, you know, the highlight, of course, is this beautiful little boy. Okay? Just saying. All right. I am honored to be here before you. Uh, thank you very much for your participation in our association. I'm going to leave some brochures with you to kind of give you an overview of what your prayers and participation do in our association of 50-plus churches. We're thankful that God is using you all in this endeavor. Thank you very much for all that you do for the kingdom of God. Appreciate, for example, your support of, of Camp Schaefer especially. God has blessed you with a great staff. That would have been a good place for amen, but it's okay. Uh, but I, uh, I'm very appreciative uh, of uh, your pastor very much. Uh, he is a dedicated man, and I appreciate his partnership in, in Camp Schaefer as well as the BCM. And, and Joe has always does a faithful job in our music ministry as well as assisting us in BCM. And I was truly impressed with your Vacation Bible School. Uh, Brittany and you all did a phenomenal job in decorating, uh, pouring a lot of love into that ministry. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do with and through the seeds of the gospel that were planted during that time of Vacation Bible School. So thank you very, very much. Now, whenever I get a chance, and I'm before a congregation, I always want to offer this prayer request. I want you to pray for your staff. I want you to pray as often as you can for your staff. Whenever God leads you to pray for them, pray for them and then send them a text or email saying, I'm praying for you. I don't know why God just laid you on my heart. I want you to know that I appreciate all you do, that I love you. Maybe, you know, if you feel God's leading, give them a gift card, take them their favorite dessert or take them out for just a, a lunch or a meal and don't talk church just invest in their personal lives and see how they're doing and how their families are doing but nothing about the church the reason i say that is because this pandemic that we've experienced has added stress upon stress of pastors and staff it really has it's done a number it's taken a toll on them and in recent months in our association alone, we've had a few pastors because of all the stress that they've experienced, they have basically just resigned with no place to go. I mean, it's just that bad. And then a few others are going through some severe crisis. So please pray for your staff. Let them know you love them, appreciate them. You know, send Josh and his family a text. Hey, we miss you. Don't let that AMS guy come back here again, okay? But, I mean, no, whatever you want. And just let him know that you, you appreciate him as well as Joe and Brittany. Because they, they, they do a lot behind the scenes that you don't see. And so remember them in prayer. 
Now, this morning, I want to speak with you about the subject of overcoming discouragement. Overcoming discouragement. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn with you to the Old Testament, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4 is we seek God's guidance and help about overcoming discouragement. But before we do that, let's talk to the Father. Lord, we do lift up Father Josh and his family. Pray, Father, for the traveling mercies that you would refresh my brother in Christ and his family in their time of way, strengthen his heart and his life. I pray that this is a good time of vacation for them. Pray, Father, for Joe and Brittany, Lord, as they continue to serve you faithfully here in the, the church, the leadership that is here, and some of them are wearing a lot of hats, and I pray, Father, that you would encourage them and strengthen their resolve. And I pray also for Megan and Daniel. I pray, Lord, that you would be preparing their hearts, preparing the hearts of the people to whom you're calling them. And I pray for the transition, Lord, that everything will go smooth during the transition time, that you, Lord, will take care of all the details. And I pray also, Father, for the harvest that will come from Vacation Bible School. Lord, as you know, this church put a lot of love, a labor of love into that special ministry. So I'm praying, Father, that you would honor their love and honor their sacrifice and bless them. And bless them as they go out and participate in the gospel of every home. Lord, they, uh, they're a strong church. And I pray, Father, that people will come to know the love of, of God through their relationships with this church. And now, Father, help us to look at Nehemiah chapter 4 and that we would hear your voice above all the other voices this day that clamor for our attention. And we pray, Father, that we will learn to apply a word or a verse or a phrase from this passage as you want us to apply it in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Child of God, discouragement is one of those times in our lives that impacts every one of us at one time or another it's going to happen whether you know we serve god here in this church as a deacon or as a small group leader or any other capacity we know that sometimes serving god brings a sense of discouragement in some cases it's like it, it slithers in like a snake coils up and waits and it bites us at the least expected time and when it does its venom then does what it weakens our morale it weakens our zeal it weakens our passion and when that happens, when we're in that weakened state of mind, then we're open and successful to Satan's other attacks like lust of the flesh or pornography or pride or the mismanagement of funds. And when that happens, we're in, when we stay in that weakened state, if you please, then what happens is it impacts our family life. It impacts our family relationship. It impacts overall our Christian walk. So how do you and I overcome discouragement? We're going to glean some examples and some principles out of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4 is going to be used of God, I hope and pray, to touch many hearts and lives this morning who are discouraged. And from Nehemiah, we're going to learn the following things. First off, we have to identify what's causing this discouragement. Why do we feel the way we feel? Then we take that cause to God in prayer, and in prayer time, we pour out our whole heart to God. And then after that, we reevaluate, we reexamine. Why are we doing what we're doing? What's God wanting us to do? That's called reexamining our, our focus, our call of God. And then we leave that prayer time with our spiritual guard up. So let's look at the context. Now, Nehemiah, what was the cause of his discouragement? Well, his was difficult people. Your cause may be something different, but the principle is still going to apply. 
We recall from our Old Testament studies that Nehemiah and the Israelites, they faced their enemies. These enemies had, had come in and they succeeded in draining the vitality out of Nehemiah and his people. There was discouragement. So the, this venom was spreading throughout the Israelite people. So what, what were they going to do? Well, Nehemiah shows us the first thing is to overcome discouragement. We have to identify why we're discouraged. And here's what he says in verse 1 and following. Now, in his case, it was difficult people. Now, it came about when Sambalot heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers, the wealthy men of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now, we call that Nehemiah had a compassionate plan. He felt God had called him to go back and rebuild the city, rebuild the people's lives. He had a compassionate plan. Maybe in our ministries, we've had a compassionate plan. We, we felt that God's called us to do something. Therefore, it's of God. We're going to put the plan in action. And everything is going to be okay because, after all, it's for God, right? Hmm. Wrong. Because like Nehemiah experienced, there are those times when we run into opposition. There are times when we run into difficulties. Child of God, God's work never goes forward without some type of opposition, some type of hindrance. Satan's going to see to that. Satan, if you yield to do what God wants you to do this morning, before the service is over, the devil is going to give you every opportunity not to do it. He's going to do whatever he can to thwart God's plan, God's work in and for your life. Nehemiah shows us this. I mean, one of Nehemiah's main difficult people, as we read here, was Sambalot. Sambalot wasn't very happy that Nehemiah was coming back. I mean, he was not very happy at all. He probably welcomed Nehemiah back to Israel like some of us welcome allergy season this time of year. Not very pleasant. So Sambalot's not very happy. But he failed to realize a very important thing about Nehemiah and these people. He didn't understand completely God's personal interest in Nehemiah and these people. He didn't understand that the reason they had been in exile was because of their failures, their sins, their idolatries. He didn't recognize or understand that the reason they were coming back was because they had repented and there was a renewed sense of obedience to God's people to do this. So when Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, as we see here, he was successful in building the morale, not just of the building the wall, but he was successful in building the morale of his people. But Sambalot viewed him as a threat. Make no mistake about it. Nehemiah even said what Sambalot was thinking in verse 1. Notice how he describes his enemy. He's very angry, he's furious, and he's mocking. Let me ask you a question. Who's the difficult person or persons that you're dealing with right now? Who is it? Is it a co-worker? Is it a family member? Is it a fellow church member? Somebody in the community? Who's the person or persons that's causing you discouragement? Well, as we see here with Nehemiah, does the situation that they're angry with us or they're mocking us, does it cause us discouragement? It can if we let it. People will only get to us if we let them get to us. People will only get to us if we let them get to us. Jonathan Edwards, in his book, 
charity and its fruits reminds us of what we need to do whenever we encounter opposition or difficult people. He says this, focus on Christ, not the difficult person. And that makes sense. Focus on Christ, not the difficult person. In fact, beloved, look, look at things spiritually for just a moment here. You know, every day as a Christian, we have to remember, we have to recall that we're being molded and shaped more and more in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he dealt with his share of difficult people, like, for example, the Pharisees. They slandered him. They accused him of all kinds of things falsely. We also know that when he was hanging on the cross, he did what? He prayed for his enemies. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was indeed the model of how you and I are to live our lives. Every moment of every day, it really is it's, the daily prayer is, what would Jesus do? And whenever you encounter opposition for doing what God's called you to do, pause to step out for a moment and, say, and just say a prayer. What would Jesus do? Because he's our model. He's our, our example. See, he's our spiritual application. When you and I are dealing with furious people, angry people, opposition, whatever the case may be, they're an this is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith as well as in our prayer life. Whenever you and I encounter people who are upset or angry or mocking us because we're living the Christian life, doing what God's called us to do, that is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith as well as our prayer life. So Nehemiah tells us from right, right off the bat, identify the cause. Now, his was difficult people like Sambalak and Tobiah. Yours may be something different. But whatever your cause of discouragement, what do we do with it? Well, now we see we take that cause to God in prayer. Verse 4 and following, Nehemiah prays, Hear, O our Lord, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Now he has his prayer here. We read that he prayed about his enemies. He, we read here that Nehemiah is expressing to God how he really feels about his enemies here in this prayer. And we learn this about Nehemiah in his prayer life. And maybe we need to take this to heart. And that is this. He's telling God exactly how he feels. He's opening up to God. He's telling God the inner feelings. That's what prayer should be about, beloved. Whenever we're talking with God, whether it's discouragement or whatever, pour out your heart and your all to God. Now you think, well, yeah, but God's all-knowing. He already knows. Yeah, he does. But it's therapeutic. It helps us to get off of our chest, our hearts, everything that's pent up inside us, these emotions that we have. It's not only important for us to do that. We see here it's biblical. During our quiet time, you get your Bible or your electronic device that has your Bible on it. Get off by yourself and spend some quality time with God. Go over the, the passage that maybe is dealing with discouragement throughout the scriptures or, or go over those passages that deal with discouragement like the Psalms do, or especially Psalms 37 where it talks about difficult people. Or maybe turn to that passage or passages that God has used in your past to strengthen your resolve, to encourage you at a moment's notice. And, and you go back and reread those because those are faith builders. Those are faith markers. Now, why do I say that you need to pour out your heart and all to God? Because let's be open and transparent. 
some of us don't have that many close friends. I don't care how many is on Facebook, okay? We, we simply don't have that many close friends. And we have fewer still that we can do what? Be honest with, be real, be open, be able to vent whatever is on our hearts and our minds without being judged or unfriended. But we can do that with God. And we should do that with God. God created the universe. God created the stars. And God created each and every one of you. And beloved, don't you think that God is concerned about what's going on in your life? Absolutely is. He sees what the discouragement's doing to you emotionally, physically, mentally, and yes, even spiritually. You matter to him. He gave his one and only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins. So yes, you matter to him. And it's important to, to share with God how we feel, what's causing the discouragement, and tell God exactly how we feel. Now, as we were talking to God, and here's where we may differ than Nehemiah. Because when you really look at Nehemiah's prayer, he's praying a prayer for his enemies that you and I shouldn't pray because we're under the covenant of Christ. Now, we're tempted to. <laughs> we're, we're, oh, yeah, we're, we may be tempted, but we're under the covenant of Christ. So what is our model? Let's think about it. How about what Jesus said? That's a pretty good model. Remember, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, Jesus is our model that we follow in dealing with difficult people. So identify what's causing you discouragement. Take that cause to God in prayer. Pour out your heart before God. Don't leave your prayer closet, your quiet moment, until you've got everything out. And then you'll feel much better, and you'll also feel closer to God after you do that. But there's a third thing that we see here about overcoming discouragement, and that is to refocus on what God's called us to do. Nehemiah says in verse 6, So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now, some people, they pray and they wait. Nehemiah doesn't follow that model. We see what he does here. He prays. He takes the cause to discouragement, Sambalot, to God in prayer. And then he does what? He goes back to building the wall. He re-examines. He re-evaluates what God's called him to do. He refocused on what God wanted him to do. Have you come to that point in your life yet? Where, you know, in light of all the discouragement, the, the troubles you're facing right now, have you stepped aside and prayed and said, okay, I need to re-examine why am I doing what I'm doing? What has God called me to do? I mean, for example, why are we here this morning? What's God calling? What's God doing with and through us? What is God saying to us? And have we lost our focus? Have we lost our passion? I mean, and that happens in light of the pandemic. A lot of people, a lot of beloved church members seem to have lost their passion. They really have. Because we don't see them. And that's a concern. Maybe like Nehemiah, we, we, we've tried to do what we believe God's called us to do. But there are people in our lives that have brought discouragement and have taken away the vitality. They've mocked us. They're, they're mocking is kind of like some, some backseat drivers. 
who sit back there and they, they love to tell us how they would drive if, we, if they were driving. Or how they would do our job if they were doing our job. Or even worse, and this is the dagger, they love to criticize the way we're raising our children and grandchildren. And over time, their mockings, they weaken our morale. Sambalites and Tobias of our lives exist. That There's no doubt that they exist. Some of us are facing them right now. And they attack us when we least expect it, don't they? I mean, we can go along thinking everything is fine and maybe in relationships or in life, and then we get blindsided. It comes out of nowhere. Now, do you think, child of God, that it's by accident that that blindside happens? I mean, think about it. Do you think that, that it's by accident that what you're facing right now is bringing you discouragement? No. You, you're not, child of God, need to understand something. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We have to look at who's behind us. We wrestle with principalities and spiritual darkness. That's who we wrestle with. Maybe this will help you to understand. So stay with me for just a second here, all right? It's all going to tie back in. Some of us have been out fishing with what we would call serious fishermen. My grandfather was a serious fisherman. He taught me early on how to fish. He, he was serious about it. He, you know, when we were in the boat, no movement. If we were on the bank, I had to be still. Now, that's hard for a child, especially when you're bored because you're not catching anything. But he would take it seriously, and he would try to contain me at the same time, and he would watch the waters. And he knew the fishing spots, and he knew what to do. And he would get in his tackle box, and he would get the right lure, and he would cast it out there, and he would reel it. And the minute the fish hit it, he set the hook, and he took it in. Now, here's where we're going. Satan waits. And he sees the discouragement in our lives. He sees the ripple effect brought about by the weariness, the fatigue, the stress. He sees our condition. He sees what the opposition's doing. So he reaches in his tackle box and he pulls out a lure. It may have your name on it. Or the lure may be the lure that's named, I deserve a better spouse. Or the lust of the flesh. Or wouldn't suicide be the, the best solution to what I'm going through right now. Or I deserve more control of the decisions in this church. You, you, the lures are there. He picks up the lure and he cast it in front of you. Now, you're discouraged. You're in a weakened state of mind. You, you're, your decision-making process is not what it needs to be. But he waits because he's patient. And when you take the bait, when you yield to the temptation, he sets the hook. He reels you in. And, beloved, he's not in the catch and release. And some of us know of fellow church members, family members, friends, who are now hanging on his stringer because they did what? They yielded to the temptation. Now, what's the lure before you? What, what's the lure that is, is enticing you right now? And 
Is discouragement impacting you to the point that you're about to make a decision you know in your heart of hearts you shouldn't do but and you're later going to regret, but you're just tired, drained emotionally, mentally, spiritually? The sand bottles and tobias of our lives, they, they exist. We, we have people who love to criticize what we're doing for the Most High God. They drain our passion. And right now, they're tempting us. So what are we going to do? Do we yield to one of Satan's lures? Do we take the lure to end it all? Do we take the lure to quit the church, as so many have done during the pandemic? Do we, do we take the lure to the lust of the flesh? What's the lure before you? Well, what's Nehemiah teaching us? He says to us, identify the cause of discouragement. What's bringing you down? What really is pulling you down? Then take that cause to do what? Take it to God in prayer. Pour out your heart to God. And then as you're having the the end of that prayer time with God, reevaluate, reexamine, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? What's God calling me to do? Where is God in all of this? And then you leave that prayer closet with this, as we're now seeing here. To overcome discouragement, you have to keep up your guard. And he says in verse 9 here, But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up our guard against them day and night. Set up our guard. Joe, about 40 years ago, I I developed an interest in boxing. I I don't know why. I really don't know what happened to me during that period of my time. But I did. I developed an interest in boxing. I loved to box. My trainer was my sparring partner, which gave a real meaning to the school of hard knocks because that's how I learned. And his favorite punch against me was his left hook. And he would nail me with that left hook until I did what? Learned after a few times, keep up my guard. Keep up my guard. Beloved, the Sambalites and Tobias, the difficult people in your lives, they exist. And you do well to keep up your spiritual guard whenever you're around them. Because they see you as a threat. They do what they do because you're a nuisance to their lives. They consider what you do something they need to be. They, they only feel superior when they feel they can control your life. They exist. They see your service, your lifestyle for God as a threat. They have, we would say, some insecurity problems. So you need to keep your guard up around them until they have a change of heart. You have to learn to do that. And as you're keeping up your guard, yes, you show Christ-like love to them whenever you can. For our Lord teaches us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That's what we're called to do. So from Nehemiah, we learn this. And please be in prayer to God about what he wants you to do. In dealing with what's caused you discouragement or why you're feeling the way you do. Identify the source. Why are you feeling the way you do? Take it to God in prayer. And in that prayer closet, pour out your heart, your emotions to God. And as you're sitting there reading the Bible, those favorite scriptures, or maybe a scripture that God just lays on your heart, reevaluate your call to God. Why am I doing what I'm doing in the life of the church? What am I doing in the community? Where is God in all this? And then leave with your spiritual guard up. Don't take the bait. Don't take the lure that's before you right now. Don't don't make a decision you know in your heart you shouldn't do and you're later going to regret. Don't do that. Now you say, well, I need need strength to do what the Bible says I do. Well, yeah, you do. 
I read somewhere that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, what I'm getting at is you can't do this on your own. God doesn't want you to do it on your own. If you want and need divine help, the first thing you have to make sure of is that you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Well, you know, how do I do that? Well, you agree with God that you're a sinner in need of the Savior. See, because the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, that thing that is coming to us, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we agree with God that we're sinners in need of a Savior. But it doesn't stop there. After we agree with God, we have to show God that we are, we're serious about our walk with Him. And so that we repent. We change the direction of our life. It might have been that we were heading away from God. But now that we know that we need God in our lives, we turn and we repent and give evidence of our repentance by our lifestyle, by our decisions, by our actions. And then we believe in what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. We understand that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever or everyone who believes, depending on translation, in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So you believe in what the Bible says about Jesus. And then you confess him as your Lord. You confess Jesus as your Lord. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you do that, when you make that most important decision in your life, then divine help is going to be available for you to overcome discouragement, to face the difficult people in your day-to-day life. He's always with us. He said in his word, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Where are you in your walk with God? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you in need of his assistance? His help is but a prayer away. In a few moments, we're going to have an invitation where you can talk with God. Maybe here at the altar, there at your pew. I'll be at front to pray with you about your matters. This is the most important decision. No, I don't know you. We don't know one another, but we know God. And we'll share that common bond. I'll do whatever I can to help you in this decision, the most important decision of your life. Okay? Will you bow your head and your heart with me, please? Father, as we come now at this, the close of a service, we don't close out our walk with Thee. We pray, Lord, that we take to heart the lesson in Nehemiah, the illustration, the example of this prayer warrior, and that we learn and glean from him the insights you have for us to apply in our lives. For now we've heard from you, not so much for the preaching, but from your word, for the prayer. You're still small voice. We've heard from you, Lord, now help us to apply what we've heard from you. For then and only then is there a change, a difference in our lives. I pray, Father, for these beloved people, what they're facing, what they're experiencing, what they're going through. I pray, Father, that you would hear their hearts as they talk with you even now. Bless them, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.